This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Learn more at southcities.church. What's your Culver's order, Nick? Uh, I really like the double butter burger with cheese, with just cheese and ketchup. Basic. Yep. Something about it's just really good. Do you have to work out harder at Lifetime when you order the double compared to the single? Nope. Just normal. What's your order, Dave? Back and forth between the bacon cheeseburger like value thing. Uh, I don't forget what they call it. They don't call it basket anymore. They call it something else. But... Or the two-piece chicken tender thing. Snack pack thing. Yeah, snack pack. That's what they call it. Yeah. Go Do back. you feel more valued when you order the first one compared to the second one? Off the value? Maybe. <sighs> um, I haven't thought about it enough to comment. Stacy, what's your Culver's order? Um, Probably a cheeseburger or the chicken tenders as well. Mm. Day one, try the fish burger during Lent. Anyone? I've had their fish before. It's very good. Yeah, what kind of fish is it? Cod. I'd be interested to know from the listeners if they can hear Daniel eating on the podcast. Yeah, Daniel, <laughs> what are you eating right now? Please submit your mushroom mushroom Swiss burger from Culver's. Hmm. That's prompting my question. Hmm. Well, we're back on the podcast. About to dig into Gobble Up. The Life We're Looking For by Andy Crouch. Crouch. I struggle with his name sometimes. Uh, How did it come about that we chose this book? Whose idea was that? I think it was my idea. Why? Um, Well, we were brainstorming topics for the podcast and I like- What was the we? Was I there? I don't know if you were there, actually. I don't think I was. <laughs> you were. You were there. It's the one time that we okay. did the whole calendar through May. You were there. Hmm. Anyways, <clears throat> I like to read memory. books. I like to read books and talk about them. You, you like to read books? Yeah. And talk about them? Yeah. Oh. So I thought it would be fun to read a book together and talk about it as a topic for the podcast. And this is a book that I've been wanting to read. And so I thought it would be interesting to talk about it together. What's the subtitle of the book? That's what I was just going to say. The subtitle is Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. Are technological worlds inherently non-relational? No. (laughs) But I think as... (laughs) As we will see as we dive into discussing the book, um, Andy talks about how technology has promised certain things to us or it's, you know, given the like, here, you can have, you know, this or this, but it has not delivered on all of the things that it has promised. So instead of being more connected with others in real life embodied ways, we may be less connected. So, Dave, Nick, summarize what you read so far in the book and what you, uh, highlights of what you saw. 
Um, I mean, I feel like the first couple chapters, he does a a brief, probably kind of a brief theology of personhood or image bearers. Uh, he he goes to some texts, but I, I think the main way he does it is almost to compare and contrast just what you know the difference. But he's doing it by yeah, he's doing it mainly by contrasting me walking around in a group of people and me recognizing the value and worth of a person in front of me, looking in their eyes. Like the first story he tells is how when a baby is born, mm-hmm. they're, they're looking for eyes. They're looking, he, mm-hmm. he talks about how our personhood cannot be disengaged or individual, but it must be affirmed by other persons, mm-hmm. which I thought was a, a helpful point to make that from the very time we're born, we're looking for that affirmation. I'm a, I'm a person. People care about me and love me. Um, and I thought, I thought it was just a helpful reminder. He shares a story about walking through an airport and just distinctively locking eyes with people and looking at people with the intention of saying image bearer and what that did for his soul. And I was, I was telling Stacy one thing um, I often do when I go on runs in the summer is, is as I pass people, uh, I'll just think image bearer, Lord, please save them. You know, just like these quick prayers that make you acknowledge that they're real people, that, that you're really around and kind of help you take in your surroundings. So I thought that was a pretty moving story. And then I think what he does um, after, I think, I, think, I think that a good way to say it is trying to make you feel <laughs> Personhood. I think that's what, he, that's what he's after, is trying to make you feel the depth of that. Then he kind of talks about how technology has promised that it will connect us more. It will, you know, be more efficient so we can spend more time together. It, will, it makes all these promises uh, that it's going to make humanity more engaged in recognizing each other as persons. And really what it's created is the exact opposite. It's actually created deficits and how we recognize as people. And it's tried to mimic it, you know, by facial recognition on your phone or by social media where you can kind of see people's pictures. But in the mimicking, it's actually lost kind of the fabric of society of actually engaging. So the mimicking has led to less engagement, not more, less recognition and interconnection as people than more. And that's been a helpful reminder just about the the dangers that can be present in anything, but certainly technology. That's my summary so far. Did uh, Nick, anything you would add here? Yeah. I just, I thought my favorite part of the book is where he kind of talked about like the sorcerer's apprentice. Mm -hmm. Um, What's that? Oh yeah. uh, yeah. That was good. So, you know how in Fantasia, Mickey finds this magic wand and he makes this broom with this like newfound power that he has to like do the chores for him. Then it gets out of control and he tries to destroy it and he ends up not being able to like, and uh, you know, and it, a lot of people have just taken it, you know, kind of like as a moral lesson, like just be careful what you wish for. But he says, maybe we should think about it more like, should he even be using those types of things in the first place? Like, is there more risk involved? And then he kind of applies it to technology. Mm -hmm. And he says, we just assume that it's like this neutral Mm -hmm. good thing that's fine. And specifically like social media, you know, we're connected and this is a thing that we can use for good, but, you know, be careful what you wish for. And he says, maybe there are more dire consequences to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, that, 
there is a greater responsibility with technology and social media that can really go bad and dehumanize us and lead to stoking conflict and depression and depersonalization and all those things. So I found that a really helpful kind of analogy that he brought mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. I am uh, currently reading the book of Revelation and I'm at the end of chapter nine. And Shocker! Uh, and the litany there about the uh, people that will not repent as God is bringing judgment is they would not repent of their murders, their sexual immorality, their thefts, or their sorcery. And so there's a, a way in which, and you know, the way that sorcery is condemned in the Old Testament, that there are powers that when you play with them, kind of the old Pandora's box, you know, from ancient mythology, you you're stuck. Like you're stuck and you're unable to put them all back in the box. Oh, I also thought that the way that he, uh, towards the end of the first half of the book, drew together what you guys both said with what Jesus says about you cannot serve God and mammon. Mm -hmm. Like tying together how technology is used to exploit, especially to monetize for the sake of, mm -hmm. you know, making them powerful, more powerful. Um, I'm very interested. I was talking with somebody uh, yesterday. Um, <clears throat> so, do you know this that the Chinese version of TikTok in China is a curated list of things surrounding science and math, and it auto turns off after 45 minutes. You get a 45 minute quota every day. You can use it. And the, the version of TikTok that's used everywhere else, you can't use TikTok in China, by the way, is not that. It's like an endless, you know, litany of things to just scroll and mm -hmm. see. Uh, might have something to say about what the Chinese are wanting to do around the world. But that, that conspiracy-ish <laughs> thing aside, you know, <laughs> uh, it's very interesting how... Uh, technology is leveraged, you know, to make money. And so when Jesus mm -hmm. says you cannot serve both God and mammon, or the way the modern translations translate it, money. Uh, although he goes, Andy goes in the book and he says, you know, the earliest Christians left it kind of untranslated because it is such a unique word. Almost speaking to its devilishness or demonic nature. Stacy, do you think of yourself as a pretty judgy person? <laughs> I hope not. Okay. I don't think of you as a judgy person, <laughs> but can you be judgy right now about this book? No, but I any... can think critically about it. Oh, that's a better that? word. Yeah. That's a better word. Mm -hmm. Critically. Yep. Critical thinker. Mm -hmm. uh, can, you want to be critical thinker. Can thinkers. you critically think out loud about this? Yeah. Book? Well, I'm the one that wanted to read this. So the only other book by him that I've read is Culture Making. And I know he's written other books on technology, like for... I think parenting and stuff. I actually haven't read that. Techwise Family. Um, I haven't Which read is that. A good book. I have read that. Yeah. So I think I was expecting a little bit more so far. I mean, we're only halfway through the book. I think I was expecting a little bit more like technology is good. Like it's, you know, humans made in God's image having dominion and using creative gifts to come up with this technology. But in, and, you know, and then affirming, like, of course, it's fallen, like everything else, sin affects it. And I think later in the book, we're going to get to 
how we can respond to technology, but I didn't really get like the positive parts of it at all. It's really, I think, been pretty, you know, looking at the dangers of technology, which is Mm -hmm. fair, I think, because I think most of us in our culture fairly passively accept new technology and without really thinking about the things that he's bringing up, how is this going to affect me as an image bearer, as a human how is this going to affect human flourishing? Um, and so he's doing that, but it's not very enjoyable to read about. Oh. I don't think it's <laughs> like, so, like it's, it's sobering. And, like, yeah. Oh, you know, so if I get Amazon, like he tells a story of um, Amazon one day delivery, you know, they drop it off. I don't know when it's whoever dropping it off. You know, it could be like, somebody from shipped at some point, like dropping something at like, you never know who the delivery person is shipped. Oh, that's a company. Yeah. 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 Not Amazon, but, um, as opposed to even prior to that, him knowing his UPS driver, because it's the same person and usually see them the same time of day. And like, you could at (sighs) least know that person. Whereas now it could be a different person any time of day. So even just things like that, it's just the depersonalization of things. Like even at Target, I love self-checkout, but you don't have to like talk to a person to check out anymore. Checkout. Yeah, introvert checkout. <laughs> so just all kinds of things like that that lead to less human interaction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it is kind of uh, a bit of a slog to like read that. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. Oh, that's et cetera. Any, uh, anything that you guys would add to that? Criticisms or just... Like considerations about the book, maybe even positives. That's fine too. Just whatever you'd add. Uh, I think, I think it's just, I think it's just felt like kind of a rehearsal of a lot of things. Um, I, I feel like I've read a lot about these things, you know, already. So maybe it's just felt like a rehearsal. There've been a few little paradigm or paradigms he's put forward, like comparing it to magic, which I actually think was a helpful yeah way mm-hmm. to think about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Harnessing the but, power of nature, right. going above it, you know, a lot, standing over it. A lot of what he said, though, there was a documentary we watched called The Social Dilemma yeah. Yeah. That, that talked about a lot of kind of how this yeah. stuff is happening. That So maybe, maybe it didn't feel new. So right now it's felt like a rehearsal. Right. Um, but, it, but to Stacy's point, it's probably, it's probably good for us to think about, and maybe it's why it's a little depressing, you know, think about our part in the depersonalization that we are so quick to partake in self checkouts and you know, all, all those, all those kinds of things. Um, maybe a good question for me is even as I read is like, why do I do that Yeah, when I do? Cause there's sometimes I'm like, Hey kids, let's go over there. Cause there's a cashier and we're going to talk to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, uh, I don't. So why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What would you add, Nick? Yeah, I mean, similarly, um, it was kind of, like Stacy said, kind of depressing to read, but I actually think pretty accurate. I mean, especially when it comes to like social media, I've come to adopt a completely negative view <laughs> of social media. Uh, I think it's net bad, and I, I would rather everybody get off of it. So um, that's just my view of it. Um, but I, so in that way I resonate with it, but it's not very fun to think about. Um, it just kind of feels like he says a lot of words, um, to say a relatively little bit. 
Mm-hmm. That's my biggest criticism. But it, nothing is bad that he's saying. It's yeah. just a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's definitely compelling stuff here. And, you know, I mean, is the answer then, you know, it's basically 43 intranets that compose the internet if we just suddenly destroyed them all? You know, is that the answer to just kind of revert? Or is there a more compelling answer? And I think he hints at it in the first chapter um, when he's talking about six people around a table in Corinth, uh, which sounds initially like he's talking about a local church, but he's not. And that's what comes up in the intermission hmm. that I have read, and you three have not. Because I was talking exactly about sure. then, yeah, Daniel. It's, well, I'm not going to. It could be hmm. for part two. Spoiler alert. Hmm. But he is, it is well, wrapped up in. Well, he did hint to that because at one point in the book, he said real change happens around a dinner table, like that size of a group. Like don't, probably don't expect like change on like a table. big cultural level, but you can have real change like around a table. And, and, I, th- and I think one thing he did say that you're reminding me of is that he, he had a sentence that I've highlighted. I can't, I can't get it to open right now. Um, I, uh. Yeah, I highlighted where he talked about how that kind of change is harder to calculate or mm-hmm. grasp or measure. And so maybe we don't feel it as much, um, but how it's the actual kind of change that like sticks and actually, you know, yeah. can expand upon itself in organic and real ways. And I thought that was, it, that's a good paradigm shift yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what he's getting at, even going all the way back to like the way a baby is looking for a face and then he's talking about like how his children are being deeply shaped by dad just walking around with them at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And they are never going to remember that. But it's right. still deeply shaping them. Right. What he's getting at is all the ways that we are being subconsciously molded by all these rhythms, whether for good or for ill, including rhythms of grace. And he hasn't used that phrase, but mm-hmm. that's what I imagine he's going to mm-hmm. get at in the second half of the book. Otherwise, we're just going to tell you it's a bad book and don't read it. So, but I think he's going to. I'm anticipating a good second half, something redemptive. Kind of like a story of life. Mm -hmm. Anything else anyone would add about Andy? Andy Crouch's book? (laughs) You just struggle with his last name, don't you? I do. It's true. I'm sorry. Why? Why do you think that is? Like I, if you drop what do you the R, want, what do, what it's do you the want word to, couch. What do you want to call him? If you drop the C R, so, it's the word ouch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's good. Thank you Let's guys. Go back for to that. English. What class. happens well, in your mind before <laughs> you say it correctly? Next time we'll be back to talk about the second half of this book. Uh, By Andy Krush. The life we're looking for. Thanks guys for joining me today. <laughs> <laughs>